This podcast is for grown-ups only. Some of the content may not be appropriate for little ears like mine. My creator, being just, has every right to come after me. And yet, we know that the Bible is pretty clear that he made a way All of a sudden, he drops the phone and grabs his shotgun and starts to point it at me. This is Diakonos, The Cops Calling. I'm Anthony Weaver, and my guest on this episode is a decorated and active detective who works for a department in South Central Pennsylvania. He's also a very good friend of mine, and I'm honored that he has agreed to come on to the podcast. He is here on his own volition, and he is not representing his department. The things discussed on this episode are his own, and I'm thrilled to have him. I'd like to welcome Gary Lowe. Thanks, Gary, for coming on. Bro, thanks for having me. That's super nice. A decorated and active detective. Well, I think it's true. Decorated and active. Uh, Well, you are are active. and uh, That means breathing. Is that what that means? No, it means that you're active on the job. Active on the job. You're still doing the job. I am. You're not retired as I am. Yeah, lucky you. Look at you. (laughs) I just started 20 years, so I'm getting close. I was going to ask you, I couldn't, I was trying to remember if you were in your 19th or 20th. I knew it was one of those. So you just started your 20th. I'm currently in my 20th year. Yeah. Oh, you're currently in your 20th. And when do you complete your 20th? Because that is the November. most important thing. November of this year. Okay. So we're getting there. Yeah. That's the important year. Once you complete 20. Right. That's the key. You kind of... You're vested. At your department anyways, you've, you're vested. That's right. At, department. I guess most departments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the... Dude, I, thanks for having me on your show. Like, your, your studio looks real good. You flew me in. <laughs> like, I'm looking around your studio. It's super, it's real nice. I wish I, I had the ability to fly people in. I just well, start and I just fly people in. That'd be, that'd be unbelievable, right? <laughs> right. No, but I like the mural that they did up for you. Like, it's you without a shirt on. It's amazing. Like, if I could just describe this for a second, if you don't mind. It's, uh, what I see is you with uh, your beautiful bald head. No shirt on. Um, you're wearing shorter shorts, which is real nice because it accentuates your legs. And you got this badge around your chest, like dangling. Um, you have a Bible in one hand, and you're wearing a gun in a, in a shoulder holster, which is pretty impressive. It's like life-size, too. So it's like six foot tall. The studio is phenomenal. It looks real good <laughs> for being like a startup. It looks real nice. Um, I can't tell you who's actually done the mural of me. Um, I've been sworn to secrecy. Uh, and then my second, my second comment would be, did you think about that all day and memorize that? Or did you just literally do that off the cuff right now? I literally just saw the mural <laughs> and I got excited when I saw it. When I walked in here after my long flight, I was on, I was on a, a flight with some people from the, the thing that happened yesterday. Like we're recording on the day after something serious. And uh, it was a wild flight. I'm just kidding. I didn't fly here. You know that. I live 10 minutes away from you. I was trying to, I, I was, I was trying to determine if we were, how long we were going to go with this idea that you flew in, that um, you know, I flew you in, that I have an amazing mural here. By the way, I will say this. 
if there was a mural that could be painted like that, I, th- I think I probably would hang it in my basement just for the, the comedy value of it. It would be worth it. Yeah, it would, it would be. be worth it. Be um, but it was, I think, a pretty spot on description of how I look in real life. Um, okay, the bald head is. That's it. <laughs> that's true. Bible in one hand, gun on the gun on the. That's that's, that's gun on the side. That's pretty much true too. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I did learn how to, you know, really because you were the first one that that broke out the bald head thing. Actually, you've kind of been the trend center for a while for me. You you broke out the bald head. You got after, you know, doing some lifestyle changes, get a little healthier because you're looking trim, you're looking good. And that's so, kind. Yeah, so the bald head thing, you I think did, you've taken on some bad habits of mine also, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> that's quite possible. But the bald head, you're the first one to do that. I followed suit cuz you did that before me. You started getting into this crazy diet thing you were doing and then I started doing the intermittent fasting stuff just last year, um, which, you know, you, you're an inspiration, Gary, an inspiration to all that know you. That's super kind. And also true. <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, one of the things I do appreciate about you is your level of um, humility. When, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to people that know both of us. And they'll say, you know, Gary, I was talking to Gary and he was telling me this story about you and he was telling that story. And, and, uh, you're always, always very quick to tell other stories about other people. You don't like talking about yourself. You're a very humble, humble person. It's a good quality to have. Um, I always, when those people say that stuff to me, I'm like, don't let Gary fool you. The guy is one bad dude. And if you are ever in trouble and you are in a fight or you need help, you, you look for Gary because he's going to be there. He's going to get your back. That might have been true 15 years ago, Anthony. <laughs> no, it's no still, I have no doubt. It's I, uh, I, that's kind. Yeah. I appreciate that you call me a friend. And I mean, we worked together for quite a few years Yeah, um, in the same unit and stuff like that. Um, but um, yeah, I'm... I'm excited that you had me on. Yeah, I'm. I'm not excited about talking about right, myself. Not, if, if, you exactly. talk, if you want me to talk about myself, that's not cool. But but that's what but I'm, we'll do it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The the humility factor. That's probably one of the reasons. It is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you and I both know we've worked with people who have egos the size of Texas, which is most cops. Correct. Yeah. And but we love them. We do. Um. But. You know, I, I, I tend to get aggravated by people who have giant egos. Yeah, it's tough. So that's probably why um, you and I work together so well, because you have no ego. I have some ego. And then you can talk me down quickly when I'm getting too crazy, Yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah. So you called me friend. I appreciate it. Um, I would add that we're brothers and um, we, have a, we have the same worldview. Yeah. Uh, followers, followers of Christ. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. And that is actually, you know, one of the, the important aspects of this podcast is that worldview and being able to talk about that worldview. So, um, well, when you used a Greek word, um, which as some of us know, is uh, one of the languages that most 
or a lot of the New Testament was written. And right. I figured this is probably going to have something to do with uh, your beliefs and what I also believe to be true. Correct. That would be a, a correct assessment. Um, it's a cool word. Sounds cool. Yeah. Diakonos. Am I saying that right? I say it diakonos. Diakonos. But diakonos. I've heard people say it the way you just did. Diakonos. Yes. That sounds a little more like... I, I got sure. diakonos from the internet, so I'm sure it's right. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. It, it was some... Uh, it was one of these commentary... Um, I'm lo- I, I can't remember the name of the website. Like Blue Letter Bible or yeah, something, one of those things. Something like where that they, like, where they where, sound it out for you. Yeah, they, they spell out the Greek words and then they, they say them. You can click on that yeah. and, and it will say it for you. You probably got it right. Diakonos. So. I'll probably, probably as soon as I release it, I'll have some theologian or someone who's a lot smarter than me when it comes to uh, the Bible and Greek hit me up and be like, yo, man. You're saying the word wrong. Uh, yeah. It would just be my luck. That's probably what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was just to basically hear your story. I mean, I think any officer that, whether they're active or retired that I have on, I want to hear their stories because I think other people want to hear them and, and also need to hear them. So why did, how did you end up getting into law enforcement? Was there a specific thing that happened that made you want to do it? Or, or was it just you were growing up and you thought it would be a cool thing to do? So, dude, I grew up like in the middle of nowhere, not in a city, um, on like an acre of land or whatever, acre or two. Rode bikes with my two brothers. Um, we played cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, which I don't think you can do anymore. Um, so we did stuff like that. We were always out running around doing that. Grew up in a good family. Um, I left the house when I was 18, joined the army, Um, spent four years and 11 months, almost five years, uh, in the military and then got out of the military after I'd been married for like three years. So I got married in my first year of the military um, to my high school sweetheart. Um, still my bride, which is not something that most cops do. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, Unfortunately. Yeah. So my wife and I, have been, we've been married for 20. You man, better get this right. I'm dude. not going to get it right. 1997, we were married. Oh, dude. Now you're asking me to do math <laughs> yeah, for no, you. Right, yeah, exactly. So like 23, 24 years, okay. I think. Um, we have three kids. Uh, so anyway, so we got married. Um, I got out of the military in 2001, um, jobless. I had like a bunch of leaves saved up. So I didn't, I didn't have a job, but I was still making money or whatever. And my wife is super smart and she could rule the world uh, a lot better than most world leaders. Um, so she was doing great with her job. She got a job right away. We moved back to, to Lancaster. And uh, so we moved back and then... I, I didn't have it. I didn't have a job, man. I was looking at like trade schools. I was looking at. So you were in the military for five years, you said? Almost five, yeah. And where were you stationed at? So I was an infantryman. So I went to um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Okay. I was in the 101st uh, Long Range Surveillance Detachment for a year and a half. 
Okay. And then I got orders to um, Fort Richardson, Alaska, the 101st, okay. or the, the first, the 501st uh, parachute, I don't know, regiment or something like that. I can't remember all that stuff. That's a long time ago, Anthony. So anyway, so I was in the, I was in the army, uh, jumped out of airplanes. I was literally trained to like fight. You know what I mean? Okay. And I was in between 96 and 2001. Nothing was happening really. Okay. Uh, so do you ever regret, do you regret that you were never able to, so you're, you're in the military, you get all these skills. You obviously were there to use them. Do you regret, I mean, no one regrets not going to war, I don't think, but do you regret not being able to have the, the chance to, to use some of those skills and, and get after it in that way? Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. probably not now. Right. Like, I'm an, I'm a, like, I'm on the downward spiral at this point. But, like, I think when I was younger, I was like, man, I, I wish I would have done. My brother did some really cool stuff in the military. He got a lot of, I mean, he's messed up. Um, now he's dealing with a lot of, a lot of issues. But he, he did, he's a, he's he's a war hero. Yeah, he's yeah. a war hero. So he's got a silver star, valor, and um, he did some real good work over in Afghanistan. Right. Um, we were in kind of the same time. I'm kind of glad we didn't get stationed together because I think neither of us would have made it. Um, we're both pretty, pretty rammy. Yeah. Um, willing to kind of just go for it. Um, so yeah, I guess I regretted it in the past. Maybe not regret, but like kind of wish maybe I had that experience. I mean, right. I like experiencing things in life. Right. Um, even if it might mess me up a little bit. Right. But so you said you were jumping out of planes. Yeah. Now yeah. I was talking to you. You said you hadn't done any high altitude stuff, but how many, how many times have you jumped out of a plane? Do you think I've roughly fifty. Fifty. Yeah, static line jumps. So it's all like attached to like a rope. It pulls itself. It's like dummy proof, man. You literally just walk out the door, and a, a static line pulls it out. It's it's like dummy proof. Anybody can jump out of an airplane. Did you like that, or was it scary every single time? Yeah, it was a blast. You loved it. It was a blast. Now, have you have you ever jumped since getting out of the military? Do no. you do you go jumping? Why not? I mean, I got other things I'm doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, Halo would be fun, like a, a Halo thing. But dude, it's expensive, man. I got no money. Right. I mean, does it is it something that you would like to do, or are you just like, oh, I did that in the military. I don't need to go to you know a Bodunk airport and jump out of a plane again. I think if I didn't have to pay for it. If one of your listeners wants to donate and get me like, that'd be awesome. But like, no, I don't really like, yeah. it's, it's time away from my family. Like, I'm sure they're going to tell me, Hey, I got to do this. Or I'm probably going to wear some stupid, uh, at this point in our, in our lives, we probably have to wear some like mouth diaper or something. You know, you got to wear a mask everywhere you go. So I'm not doing that. A mouth diaper. That's, that's my new term I for like it. That. It's probably not okay. Like I probably shouldn't say that, but. It literally is a mouth diaper. I mean, if you think about what we're, what, we're, what we're trying to do with this thing on our face is protect nasty stuff from coming out of our mouth, which is a diaper. That's what a diaper does. Dude. Right. It protects it from going on the floor. I like it. I think I'm going to start using it. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's terrible definitely, thing. definitely not PC. Politically correct. Yeah, probably not. I yeah. probably offend some people there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'll, but I'm willing but to follow the rules. If there's rules, I'll follow. You want to tell me? You don't tell me what to do. I'll do it. My email's at the end of this, so I'll I'll get the emails. I'll just forward them to you. Perfect. Who am I? I'll kidding? ignore them like I ignore all my other emails. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're in the military, and you didn't really 
I don't think you really answered the question. Oh. The the question was like, what caused you? So you're 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 kind of a Rammy guy. You you're in the military. You get out. You're you're jobless. Like you were just trying to look for something to do. You kind of want a little adrenaline. What what was the deal? So no, I, I was looking at trade schools. I literally didn't know what I was going to do. I had no clue. I'm like, I, this is not good. Um. So I like started looking at trade schools. I looked at like some factory jobs, um, like going to school for a, a job in, in like a factory. It was actually Rolex, believe it or not, like being a watchmaker or something like that. I looked into that. I got a bunch of info on that, which I mean, it doesn't really fit my personality. So I'm not sure why I even did that, but I, I, I literally didn't know what I was going to do. I drove through the city one day, which I never do. Um, and I saw this big giant billboard that said, all I saw on it was like, uh, like, like uniform police officers with like a badge on. There was probably like a, I don't know. I'm sure there was a police car in there and it said something about be one of us. And I was like, I wonder if I could do that. I was like, well, I guess I'll apply and see what happens. Right. I got nothing else to do. I'm still getting a paycheck for these next couple of months. And, uh, I applied and, uh, took, you have to take like a, you have to take a physical test, which like I, I killed. Cause I was well, like, yeah. I was in pretty good shape. I'm not in as much, I'm not in as good shape as I was back then. I think you've gotten a lot of it back. I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. just as your friend, you fell off the wagon a little bit there for a while. Bro, I, you I were, put on 35 pounds. I was two, I think it was 235 to 240. Right. When I went, like after about a year in, in, as a detective. Yeah, I mean, you, you were... I mean, you weren't, I wouldn't say you were I felt chubby. obese, but big. you were, you were, I'd die from COVID if I had it, if I was that, I mean, I would have, the statistics, that was a little bit too heavy. But um, now, now you're, you're I trimmed tri down, man, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I went on the keto diet and, uh, got a little more discipline in my life and right. lost a bunch of weight. Feel real good now. I'm not working out or anything. I mean, I don't want to fight anybody, but if I had to, I would. Exactly. Yeah. Did you grow up like around the jurisdiction you ended up working in? You, you said you're driving through the city, you see a sign. Did you grow up in, in the area where you work or yeah. no? So I grew up in the, the same county, okay. but like a completely different world. Like, I, I mean, I never, saw, I never saw a police officer my entire life. Until I joined the military, probably. So you're from the area you work in, then, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm from. But you, yeah. you, you weren't familiar with. Yeah. The so I work in a, a small city environment, right. like seventy thousand people or something like that. Um, my closest neighbor was a farmer. I, you know. So you see the sign, you decide. Like, oh, maybe I could try that. Right. So I don't know. I found it probably not online then. I, I, I got an application. Um. And then I took the, I took the physical exam and, uh, I did pretty good on that. And then they did like an oral board, which is kind of different. Like nowadays, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the testing is like a, like you'd actually take a physical test. I think I was one of the first classes that didn't take a physical test, which was probably a mistake because right. a lot of the people I got hired with are no longer with us, um, as police officers. Um, for, for many, for many reasons, but like, I don't know. So I didn't, I didn't, I have to take a phys, I didn't have to take a written test. So I took, did an oral board. Well, I just got out of the military and I, I got out of the military as a sergeant. So I just had a bunch of like boards to become a sergeant. 
So like it was very similar to a military board, except nowhere near the like quality of a military board. So I was like totally prepared. I smoked it. I mean, I killed it. I absolutely killed the interview. I felt like I did. Right. Um, Do you remember your score, your final score? I still remember mine. I don't remember my final score, but I was the first one. I was number one. Oh, were you number yeah, one? Yeah. There were, when, I, when I showed up that day, it's pretty funny. When I showed up the day of the, the physical exam, which was the first thing we did, um, there was like 350 applicants. 350. And I go, oh, man, this is, gonna, this is not going to be good. Right. Uh, but I killed it. I, got, I was the first one hired um, out, of, out of all those people, or at least those who applied right. for, the, for my department. Wow. Yeah, I still remember my score only because one of the guys that I got hired with, um, he was in the military, so he got the 10 military points. I did not, and I still scored higher than him. Dude, because you're a genius. To this day, I don't let him forget it. Oh, I would never let him forget that, yeah. Yeah, I got the military points. That's the only reason I got number one, I'm sure. That definitely, definitely um, helps. So basically, the department you're with was the first and only department you ever tested with then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't test with anybody else. I lived in the area. The sign looked cool. I thought, ah, city cop, that might be kind of fun. And uh, the rest is history. Right, the rest Mm -hmm. is history. So 20 years. um, what What kind of stuff have you done over your career? I mean, I can sit here and and list it because I know you so well, but, um, you know, obviously you started out on patrol and when you started in patrol, were you working shifts or was it, um, were you still working like day work, night work, going back and forth or was it set shifts? Yeah. Yeah. So when I started, we did, uh, two weeks of days, two weeks of nights. Um, that's when I started. Um, and then we went to, actually that was, I think my whole time, I don't think I ever went to permanent shifts. Um, which my department does now, they have permanent shifts. So yes, yeah, so I started on patrol, um, which is funny because um, like I talked to some you know, people that I talked to, friends or whatever, they're like, oh, you know, hey, how long have you been? You know, they, they know I'm a detective or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm not a real cop anymore. I used to be. Um, and they always say, well, someday I'd like to be a detective. Like, can I just become a detective? And, right. You know, I always chuckle it off, but like, people, I mean, people generally don't know, but like you can't, you know, start off as a detective. Um, everybody starts off in p- patrol, which is, which is literally the, the, the most important job in a police department, in my opinion. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's where, where a department looks good or bad based on how those people act, how your patrolmen act, um, and how they, how they police. Um, so, I mean, so yes, I was in patrol for like four years, four and a half years, something like that. Um, and so when I was on patrol, um, we, our department had, um, you know, like regular patrol, you drive a car, which is usually a marked car. And then, um, I, I got to, to ride a bicycle. So I was a bike cop for a while. But like when I say bike cop, like I would drive a car one day, ride a bike the next. Um, sometimes I'll just walk around because that's but you, fun. You did the bike thing for a while and you really liked that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. But when it got like too cold or right. like when stuff was too busy, you would jump on a, you jump in a, you have to jump in a car. Uh, but I really like riding a bike. It was fun. You could sneak up on people and see what was happening a lot better than in a car. Right. And you were real. You were really aggressive on the street. You were making a lot of arrests. Arrests. You were, you were in like the, easy arrests. When you say making arrests, like, like I was making but easy arrests. Like this is the thing. I this is the thing. Like you. This is the whole humility thing. You, like everything you do is easy, and everything everyone else does is hard. It's not true. 
Look, you, man, there, there, there's a certain skill level needed to be a good street cop. For sure. Yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah. some, yeah, there some street cops out there that yeah. are terrible. And you got to be willing to do the job, right? Like, I mean, right. Yeah. If you're willing to do hard work, that's half the battle. But yeah. Like, if you have a drive to see, like, right, rewarded, and wrong kind of like made right or I mean, right. punished is the wrong word because police don't punish anybody. But like, when, you, when you're working toward having a better society based on the laws that are put in place, which, I mean, this, this doesn't even sound like me. Like literally, like doing, doing a patrolman's job, you're, you're just enforcing the laws that are, that are put there by legislators. You know what I mean? Like right. drug dealing's illegal. You see somebody dealing drugs, either you're going to drive by it or you're going to address it. Right. Right. Someday it might not be illegal to, to sell drugs. I mean, it might not. And then a police officer is going to drive right past it. But like, you got to have the drive and the motivation to kind of like jump out on somebody who you see do a hand to hand, you know, dropping a bag of dope to some, some dude walking down the street. Um, you got to be willing to jump out and grab them, right. you know, drop and check it out, see what's happening. Um, or even like silly things like open containers, you know, right. if the, the law says you, you can't drink an open container, you can't have booze walking around the streets. I mean, that's, you either going to deal with it or you're going to, or you're going to ignore it. So right. back then, like, man, like, I was, I felt like, uh, I, I was willing to, wasn't willing to check it out, see what's happening. Right. And, and I think that's the difference between a good like street cop and a poor one, the ones who are willing to check the stuff out like that, the ones who are willing to check the stuff out like that are the ones that generally are pretty proactive. Yeah. And also get into the most because let's face it, being a street cop, rolling down the street, you're not going to just see felonies usually and be able to deal with a felony. You usually see the minor infractions the vehicle violations, the, you know, open container, that type of stuff. And those investigations always, not always, but sometimes turn into the big ones. I mean, that's most guys who get into anything. It starts with something really small. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing a, a silly hand to hand, um, in like a, like a, a part of our city that was super hot. And, uh, I literally just jump out, grab this dude. Uh, I didn't know this dude from, from Adam. Um, he had, he did a hand to hand and he had a bulge in his pocket and, uh, I jumped out on him, uh, wound up grabbing him up. Uh, and, uh, he wound up having a bunch of dope on him and I did a simple like drug arrest, like quid charge, like possession with intent to deliver charge. Um, he goes to jail and he wound up being like totally involved in like this like huge gang that they like, they, they charged like federally, like a bunch of these dudes and they were probably involved in some murders and I'm probably not remembering everything correctly, but like, it was like a huge case. And like, I just saw a dude do a hand to hand and had a bulge in his pocket and I, I grabbed him up. And that arrest probably had a pretty played huge, a, played a role. And yeah, if I remember it right, the, 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 uh, heroin, I think it was heroin. The heroin he had on him, um, was the only actual dope that, um, the process, the feds had. Um, in that, uh, in the whole case, everything else was historical. So like wow. they had, they had like, in, uh, right. CI saying, Hey, I bought from him this many times. That was like the only dope. Um, it's a pretty big deal. And like, right. 
it wasn't like I was out looking for someone to make a federal case on. It was a dude that did a hand to hand in front of me in a bad part of the city. And I got the guy. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's just, that's classic police work right there. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So, and you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Um, and that work kind of propelled you then into, um, like a vice type unit then. Yeah. So I, I loved, I love doing, uh, drug work. Like I really like, like kind of really liked it. I liked the, the cat and mouse kind of thing. It's cops and robbers, man. You're looking for the bad guy who, who's dealing drugs. Who's like, and, and look like it, it's easy to see a drug dealer. It's easy to see what a drug deal looks like. Learn what it looks like. Learn what actions people take when they're dealing drugs. Like it's not hard. I mean, you got to take some time to figure out what it is and it changes over time. But like, once you get it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. See, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Oh man, I, we're going to fight already? No, no. I'm just going to say there, I think for some officers, it's easy for them to start doing that because mm-hmm. they start, they, they, like you're a very competitive guy. I mean, you talked about it at the beginning how you grew up, you had, you had two other brothers, um, you know, the games you played, you went into the military. Um, I also know you're competitive because you played tennis. Dude, I did play tennis. I was like, dude, <laughs> remember, I, I didn't know this about you for years. Oh, and man. someone told me you played. I played sports, man. I yeah, was you sports, played. I was you, an athlete. You always said. An you, athlete. You That's what we called You always said you were an athlete. You always said you played sports. And then someone told me that you played tennis. And they had a picture of you. I still have that somewhere. Do you really? I would love I have, to see that picture. Um, I had hair it, back then. It's from it's it's from a yearbook. Somehow, yeah. someone found a yearbook and they found a picture of you and your little, your like you know, hot little tennis number, red and white. Oh my, red and white. I dude, think I, wore I red saw and white. this. I was like, school I colors. Definitely, am getting a copy of this. Yeah. And um, I didn't only play tennis. I was also play baseball. I was also a wrestler. Wrestler. I wrestled for one year. And the only thing I saw was the lights. I was a terrible wrestler. Absolutely <laughs> terrible wrestler. I literally was like probably 90 pounds when I, when I wrestled. It might have been seventh, eighth grade, maybe. I don't know. So then that. in the military, you, you, you put on a lot of weight in the military then? No, I was pretty thin then too. I was probably 150, 160. Okay, so you were just, you were just in good, good shape. Yeah. You were like shredded low. Shredded. I was... You were shredded. But I wasn't like gym shredded. You know, you see like a lot of cops that just go to the gym all the time. Those dudes, they have big arms, big giant legs. They got like, you know, big chest sticking out. Kind of like this mural of me that we have. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I don't know. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Uh, So yeah. So I had like a competitive spirit. But I'm just saying that it's easy for someone who cares about the job and who wants to get after it. I, I feel... I mean, in my experience, there's, I've worked with several officers that would never know a drug deal. I shouldn't say would never know. They are not in tune with what is going on as they patrol down a street. They're not looking for those telltale, telltale signs. Um, there's, there's a difference. I, I, I think you're selling yourself a little short when you say it's easier to arrest. Anyone can see well, a drug people deal. Have their, people have their niches. Cops have their niches. Right. So you have like DUI cops, man, there's a, D, a DUI cop can find a D, you know this. I mean, a DUI guy can find a DUI in a heartbeat. Me, I, 
first of all, I'm probably not looking for a DUI just because it wasn't my thing. Like, I mean, if something happened in front of me, I would deal with it. But like, it's not my thing. Like, I'm not real interested in it. Um, so I had a lot of interest in the drug game. Some people have a lot of interest in traffic stuff, like right. turn signal, whatever, stop signs, which is, I mean, it's terrible. People running stop signs. Um, you know, they have like different interests. Uh, some people like financial crimes. I mean, that, that yeah. we're talking criminal investigations now, but like everybody has their like niche, right? Their, their, their niche. Is that, I, is that right? Niche? Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And and every so we're arguing, but we're not really arguing. We're kind of saying the same. This Correct. is kind of this like our like friendship. Seriously, our our whole yeah, <laughs> our whole friendship. Yeah. So I liked I liked drug work. I really had a pull to it, and I I applied for. There was an opening for our our unit that like basically the department would tell you what to what to deal with, and you go deal with it. Um, which was kind of like a vice unit. Uh, did prostitution details and drug drug details and. Um, and stuff like that. So like I got it, I applied for that and, um, and I got into drug work for four years. Um, and that's where you and I started working together. Right. Um, I think you'd been in there for like one or two years before I came up. Right. Cause I had never, I never worked with you directly yeah. before then. Yeah. I don't even know if I, I didn't really know you. Right. Honestly. Yeah. We didn't really know each other like until, until we passing. jumped in, jumped in then, that unit. Yeah. When you came over to the unit, um, and I'm trying to remember did you come over there my second year or third year? I don't remember. Yeah, second or third year, something like that. But that's when, yeah, that's when we got. That's really when we close. We kind of met and yeah, we worked together, did a lot of fun stuff. Right. So yeah, so I got in the drug unit um, where we we were, I say drug unit. It wasn't a drug unit, but we did a lot of a lot of drug work, and maybe we. I feel like we did a lot of drug work because that's what I liked. Like everything right. else, all the stupid traffic details we did. Like I, I could care less about. But we had to do them. Um, trying to think what other crazy stuff we did. Um, I mean, mainly that was it was mainly drugs, that right? Was prostitution, like our bread and butter, drugs and, and we drugs did and prostitution, prostitution too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the drugs were our bread and butter, and and in that unit, you got to do undercover work, and you were uh, actually one of the best undercovers back there when I was when I was on that unit, and you actually did undercover work in another jurisdiction. Yeah, a much larger. Uh, jurisdiction. Actually, in Harrisburg, I did some work in Harrisburg. Um, so that was fun. Yeah, we did like a, I don't know, what do you call it, foreign exchange type thing. I guess it wouldn't be foreign exchange. It would be like right. whatever exchange. Yeah, they thing. sent us some of their guys. Yeah. So, um, so that was a good time. I went went up to Harrisburg. I did a bunch of bunch of buys. So that was like different because uh, you're basically playing the opposite role, right? Like right. you're playing now. You're playing the you're playing the quote bad guy. You're playing the bad guy. Um, trying to trying to buy buy dope and um, that was a lot of fun. That that was probably one of my favorite times. Just buying drugs and actually doing drug work in general was probably one of my favorite favorite times of policing. I have a I have a cool picture of you and another guy on the unit um, where you you know the classic you know narc cop type thing. You have the stuff laid out on the table and you you still had your hair back then. And your hair is all crazy because you're doing UC work and you're just like staring at the table and you're, you're just making a goofy expression. I, I still have that picture. I, that's awesome. I, I, I think I recently put together a, uh, like a scrapbook of the past 20 years. That's what you do when you're like done exactly. with life and you're basically on, you're basically going to die in like a week. You no. got to get everything together, make it look cute and pretty. No. And then. So that picture is in the scrapbook. 
But to that point, I, for the last like probably five years, I've been thinking about, I should put, I have all this stuff in this tote, you know, in this dark recesses of the basement. I should probably try to put it together. And so I made it a project here the last, last several months. We got time now. Yeah. You got time. I, I, that's super funny because I literally have nothing. I have zero things. Really? I think I have like two pictures on my desk that like I've kept and like everything else. Like, dude, I don't even have, I don't even know where my awards are. Like any like unit citations or anything that I've ever done. Like I, I don't have anything. I hope you don't regret that. I hope you don't regret not having. Oh dude, I'm going to, I already do. Yeah. Cause like, I would like to show my kids or like tell them stories about the stuff I did. Um, cause even now, like if I'm telling stories, like I'm like, man, I, I wish I remember more details yeah. about that because like, I remember a time in Harrisburg, I got robbed by a dude, like while I'm buying drugs. So like I, I, I roll up in this block and, and, uh, and this guy makes eye contact with me. I'd give him the old head nod and, uh, he's look, he looks at me and I, I roll up, I'm acting like a fiend. I think I'm, uh, my hands are filthy because I haven't showered for like three days. My wife loved that part of the, the undercover work, right? And so like when I say I went undercover, like I was, this isn't like the departed. You right. know what I mean? Like I wasn't like in a gang, like undercover for like right. 14 years. Like we're talking like a 30 day stint or whatever. So, but I mean, I grew a beard and I had like nasty fingers and all kinds of stuff. But like, so anyway, so this dude, like, you know, it was going to be a drug deal. It was just like every other drug deal. We made eye contact. He rolls up, big dude, real big dude. And he, he walks up to my, my car and he's like, uh, I'd been buying drugs for a while. So like, I knew you don't just give a dude your money. Like right. he's going to roll out. He's like, what are you, what are you looking for? I think I was trying to buy Coke. And I, I'm like, I need a 60, I need a 60 piece. Something like that. And he's like, he's like, he's like, yo, that's, you're going to, where's your money? Right. So I, I hold up money in my right hand. So I'm driving it's like junk car. Um, I'm holding, I'm holding money in my right hand. So it's like a cross from, right. from where he is. He's on the driver's side, my windows down. He literally jumps through the window, like, like, like his, his elbow hits like my chest and like pushes me over. He speared you, man. He speared me. Yeah. That was before spear was cool. <laughs> um, uh, so he spears me, he grabs the money and, uh, and he takes off running. I'm like, I'm like this dude. So like the cop in me, right. Like kicks in. Cause that hadn't really happened to me before. So I literally put my car in drive and I start chasing him. Which no, no, dr- no drug user would ever do. You would never chase a dude. You would never chase a drug dealer, especially a big dude that's like scary looking. And, you know, I looked, I mean, I didn't, I didn't look like a fighter, you know. Right. I tried to make myself look like a, just a weakling because I just want to buy drugs. And uh, so I'm chasing this dude. And finally it clicks to me, why, why am I chasing this guy? Like, I'm like going to run him down. I'm like, this is not how a, a, a fiend should act. Right. So I, I stopped chasing him and like, guys laughed at me they thought it was hilarious they wanted to find him and charging him but it was it was it was, it was a pretty funny incident because like like i got robbed man i got robbed as a as a as a undercover well Happens. i remember when uh the one officer on our unit got got robbed the guy with the screwdriver yeah, that was terrible yeah pulled a screwdriver on him and um that was terrible yeah he got arrested he did get arrested yeah yeah he did um he deserved to get arrested too he's yeah bad, bad guy yeah yeah i that that uh that role of undercover i think is just it's so hard for guys to i i swear you put a guy in an undercover role you put a police officer in an undercover role it's like they have a lobotomy 
they do the dumbest stuff you could ever imagine. And and I'm saying this as a supervisor who worked on a unit and and had to supervise undercovers. Loved all those guys. You put them in undercover role, it's like they lost their minds. It, they do that. You say you may not do this. You know, if if you get ripped for your money. So what happens sometimes is, you know, you you give them give the money to a dealer, a middleman. Middleman says, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna run and and get it for you. They take your money. They don't come back. You let it walk. Like it's not let that it big go. of a deal. It's the, really not that big of a deal. It's it's not your money. You're not trying to find this guy to go get your money right. back, right? Yeah. And we'd be working a detail, and an hour or two hours later, my undercover would see the guy that took his money and would be like, "Hey, I'm going to confront this guy. Are you insane? Uh, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be trying to get on the radio, and um, oh, I'd, yeah. you know. I remember there were times where uh, I didn't like people close to me when I was buying. Right. Um, so like, like, like my fellow officers would be trying to, f- to follow me in, in various ways. Um, and I would always try to lose them because I always felt like they were too close. Right. Like, get away from me. I'm fine. Leave me alone. Let me go buy this yes, drug. You feel completely I'll, safe. I'll meet you somewhere else. And I, didn't, I don't know that I felt, I mean, I felt safe. But like, I had the... Uh, the mindset that like it's on me. If I get hurt, if I get shot, that's on me. Like you guys aren't going to save me, even if you're like a car a car away from me. Even if you're ten feet away from me, you're not going to be able to save me. This is on me, and I'm okay with that. Just let me go buy go buy drugs. Let me go buy them. You leave me alone. I'll meet you in another location. I'll give them to you, and we'll, we'll do a trade off. We'll go buy some more. Like that's how I felt. But that's dumb. It's yeah. super dumb. Yeah. I mean, I, there were times where I would, I would get lost, where they couldn't hear me anymore. Um, and that became super scary for them, which like I didn't care. Right. But like it became real scary for them because they, they don't know where I am, first of all, because I lost them because I ran a red light, you know, and they can't just follow me. And then they can't hear me because so, they're too far away now. And it, it, I mean, I always think it's funny, but like when you're, when you're that guy, when you're right. a surveillance guy or whatever, and you lose your undercover, it's pretty stressful. But yeah, and and I don't know what it is. Like you feel safe. You're just you're you're yeah. just you're doing a job, and you don't. Um, I don't know. You have a lobotomy. Yeah, I'm lobotomy. Lobotomy. I'm that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I'm convinced. You have a Superman complex too. Like you feel you, like you do. can do your thing, and you also put a lot of pressure on yourself because you know that you have a whole team of people that are waiting for you to make a buy, so that they can either swoop in or whatever they're going to do in the investigation but so you you put pressure on yourself yeah and, and so you keep pushing you keep pushing you keep yeah, pushing and there's guys working overtime or right you know whatever right so then after that you were in that unit with me uh for a while that was a that was a lot of fun do you think do you think uh seu um was the most that vice unit do you think that was the most fun you you've ever had on the job yeah for sure yeah yeah yeah, that vice work was so fun. And the, the guys that I worked with were a blast. And we had some really rough times. But like, for the most part, um, it, was like a, it was like a good marriage. Like, right. we all got along. We all had fun. We had a common goal. Um, we, it, the, it, it felt like, like the, the military units that I was in that right. I really liked. Yeah. Um, we had each other's back. We were willing to like, if someone, if someone's going to attack an officer, like we're there to help them. 
um, you know, if a drug, drug dealer runs, we're all chasing. Like, we're not letting him go. We're going to get him. Um, you know, so whatever. Or a hot call comes out, we're going. Um, right. And we went together. We did everything together. Um, worked together, common goals. Um, and that's always been attractive to me. Right. Um, small unit tactics are, are always, has always, always been attractive. Yeah. The camaraderie in that unit, it, it just can't be... It's not the same on, on patrol. You still have camaraderie on patrol, but in a unit like that where you literally do everything together, um, you know, it, it's just a different, a different feel, a different feel. Um, and also that unit was always handpicked. So everyone coming over there was always super proactive. Um, you know, some of the, you know, some of the best cops in the department were, were getting, um, we're cycling through that. Unit. Yeah. You didn't get a look unless you, you yeah, were doing, you, you were, were, doing you were work. hard worker. Yes. Yeah. Specifically like drug work. I mean, if you weren't working hard, if your nose wasn't clean, um, if you were a drama queen, you weren't getting in a unit. Correct. Um, and then, you know, if you didn't do the job in the unit, you're gone. Right. You're out. Like, yeah. you know, so you had to pull your weight. Yep. Cause we were doing yeah, a do lot of job. work and it wasn't many, yeah. many guys. Yeah. We were at a lot of charges, a lot of reports, man. It was busy. I'm trying. How many, how many guys were on the unit when we were on it? Uh, six, seven, maybe. Yeah. And now it's five. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The unit now is doing way more than we ever did. Right. Yeah. Um, they're doing some stuff different than we did. But again, it the changed. drug game's changed. Yeah. yeah it's changed. changed. So like street level dealing is a lot different. Yeah. Um, social media. Like when you and I were on the unit, there was no, no such thing, man. There was no social media. There was no yeah. smartphones. We had those little Nextel. Dude, you remember Nextel? Dude, <laughs> dude, we're so aging ourselves. Nextel's bleep, bleep. Yeah, that was it. Chirp, and beep, and they, you could never get through. And they, it was oh, a train wreck. I used to, it was terrible. I used to get so angry at my next toe. I'd chuck it across the surveillance yeah. vehicle. Like, yeah, I've seen you chuck a phone or two, <laughs> slam a door or two. It's all right. It happens. It's another story for another time. Yeah. So yeah, you get out of there. You go up to. Did you go right to detectives? No, man. I. They no? put me back on the shift for like four four months. See that? That's it. And I got, man, I got ridden hard, but I was like a jerk too. Like, like I didn't want to be on patrol. Like I was ready to do something different. Like in the unit that we were in, like you, you did your own thing. Like you were, you were in charge of your case. You were in charge of your investigation. You kind of like, you kind of were, and I'd been in there for four years. So like new guys had started coming in. So I was like the senior guy at that point. So like, I mean, I could have, I felt like I could have run the unit even if we didn't have a supervisor. You did. Well, I guess I did, yeah. Yeah, there were, there were plenty yeah, of times where you were the, the officer in charge, mm-hmm. as was I. Whenever you were the officer in charge, watch well, out. Well, you left before me. No. You were... Well, I did. That's I what I'm did. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, did yeah. leave When you left, you. then I started running some details, but... You were running them even when I was there. All right. When our, when our supervisor... I'm glad you remember that. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, when our supervisor was off, like, it was between, like, you and, and me... Um, and maybe one other guy, we would take turns basically running details and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, you, you kind of had a chip on your shoulder I, then. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. I just want to be, be treated like a kid again. I didn't, like, I didn't want somebody telling me, Hey, follow an oil trail. You know, th- there was an accident down here somewhere. Maybe I want you to follow this oil trail all the way throughout the city and find a DUI. Like I wasn't interested in doing that. Um, and I didn't really think it was that important, but so that happened to me. 
um, I felt like I was treated unfairly. So I cried a little bit. Not really. Like, whatever, man. I, I spent four months on a shift. I had a pretty good time. Um, and during this time, I was on the, the tactical team, too. I don't, I don't know if we, we talked about that. So yeah, we have, like, so like, our county has a tactical team. I mean, some people when, call it SWAT or whatever. When did you get on that? I don't know, man. It would have been probably five years on the job, I think I got on. Okay. And I spent four or five years on. Yeah. So you, yeah. you, you had all this experience with that. You had all this experience in SEU. Um, and you were or in, this, in the vice unit, and you just felt like you were too good to go back to patrol? That's probably a That's, I strong way to say it, but yeah, I didn't want to go back to patrol. And I, didn't, I don't think I really wanted to do it. Right. Like, I think I was done with patrol. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to stay on the drug unit. That's, that's the truth. I wanted to stay on the drug unit. The department wouldn't let me. Um, because I really wanted to do the, the drugs. And it's probably for the best. It's probably for the best that I, I mean, the department was looking out for me. There's no doubt. Um, and I mean, still we rotate guys in and out and, and they probably should because guys get like in a, uh, in a funk without knowing it. Right. They get in like a mindset of like, that's probably not a good place to be. Um, and then, and then, so, so you have to, I, I had to come out after four years. Right. I see both sides of it. Yeah. To cycle sure. guys out, you give, you give other uh, really um, good police officers a chance to get that experience and um, do that job and, and excel at it. Um, but the flip side of it is as you have guys back there, they get the experience. They, they start clicking as a unit. Um, and so you, you, you're constantly kind of messing with that. For it's, sure. It's, it's one of those things. There's positives and negatives to yep. to both. Yep. Um, and you got to protect the department. Like if a guy goes off the deep end because you didn't see it or because you left him in a unit too long, right? Because it's I mean it's on you. It's I mean, a it's very fast paced. Yeah. Like the, the it's stressful. Is it's stressful? Um, you become paranoid. Yeah. Like super paranoid. Right. Um, I remember being undercover, and my family went to a. Uh, uh, we went out. We went out to eat at this restaurant. Remember when we used to do that? Go out to eat at restaurants, and there was like large, large like waiting crowds. When we didn't have to wear the uh, the mouth diapers. The mouth diaper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No mouth diaper. No no social distancing. When everybody right. had like you'd have peanuts and stuff, and everybody was sharing like a big bucket of peanuts. <laughs> throw it on the floor. Yeah, that's that's good. So we went out to eat one day, and I remember starting to walk toward this restaurant. It was no high end restaurant. I mean, I have cop salary, so like we're going to this like this restaurant that like normal people go to. And uh, I don't know what was it was. Red, Red Robin, not Red Robin. I, I can't remember the name of this. So we, we start walking toward this restaurant and my whole family's going in and I literally see a dude and I go, you guys go, I'll be back. And I literally turned around and walked away because it was a dude that I bought drugs from like a week before. And I literally was like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. And I, he never would have recognized. Like I know now he never would have recognized because we were in two different like, like situations. He never, he never would have recognized. Just like guys in uniform who like take off the uniform, they go to, they go to a store, they go to Walmart to go grocery shopping because that's what they can afford. Um, when they go to Walmart and if they would see somebody that they've dealt with the day before, that person probably would never recognize it. But that cop thinks they know me. Right. And they might. They but might. like in general, they're probably not going to recognize you. But like it, as an undercover, you really start like, right. you get pretty paranoid. But here's the thing. If you can't run that, chance 
because if he yeah. does recognize you, um, and you're fighting in a parking lot. Yeah, or or and he's, that's not or he's trying to sell you dope in front of your family, which would be pretty funny too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I got no, I got no cash. I got to spend it on them. The, no, I'm here at like Red Fridays or whatever. Yeah, I don't got no money for uh for a bundle right now. Um, but but it does happen where you are. Uh, it happened to me. It's happened to me a couple times. Really, where I've been made off the job. I've never been made on the off the are job. It's unbelievable, and I'm I'm pretty like unique looking. Like I'm that that is actually unbelievable to me. I was in Park City one time with. Uh, with Lauren and uh, a guy, that. a guy made me, and I I couldn't even re- remember his name. I just recognized him, mm-hmm. and he pointed me out. And I told Lauren, "I'm like, get away from me." And I said, "If if you hear something, call an ambulance because these guys are going to need an ambulance." That's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. But yeah, guys have been I split, like at an amusement park. We yeah. had a guy that was uh, confronted at an amusement park. I mean, that's crazy. That's I mean, that's that's crazy. Now, luckily, these guys, they pointed me out. I think it's not they, like the movies. Yeah. Like the movies they, make it out like, right. you know, people are out to murder cops. And right. some are, but yeah. like, it's not them. Yeah. He followed me. I think they followed me for a little bit. I broke off from Lauren and then uh, tucked, tucked in somewhere and, and just watched for a little bit. And they didn't. It was no big thing. Found something hard that you could use just in case something bad yeah. happened. See if they attacked you. Yeah. Like the gun on my hip. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it does. It does happen. But it does. I, I mean, the, the, the thing is, like these experiences throughout your career, they start, whether you realize it or not, they start to build up and they start to, you know, have a cumulative effect on just how you operate both on and, and off duty. Um, and you brought up, you know, the, the, the SWAT team or the, the, um, the CERT team that you were uh, a part of. Uh, the special emergency response team. It sounds so much nicer than special weapons and tactics. It's so weird. I, yeah. yeah. I know, man. So anyways, you were the tack team. The tack team. Yeah. Uh, you were an operator. An operator. Yeah. I love when guys say that. I was an operator. Yeah. Um, OD green jackets. And yeah. So you're on muscles. this. You're on this team. Uh, you're on that team four or five years, and you 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 were involved in in an officer involved shooting while on that team. Yeah. So yeah. those types of events, they, those all like start adding up and, and I don't know how much it, that incident affected you, but what happened with that? Yes. Yeah, so I, with the shooting. Yeah. Like, oh, how, dude, like, I, so we had a, like a tactical team like deals with like, so the police roll up to this, this call, right? A 911 call or something like that. Okay. Um, and I think it was a mother son and the son had, had put a gun, the mother called 911 and said, my son put a gun in my mouth and threatened to kill me. He won't let me go. Pretty what, big deal. How long ago was this? Oh, dude, I don't know. Uh, this was a long- 10, 12, 13, 14 years, maybe 13, okay. 14 years, probably. Okay. Somewhere around there. It was like around Thanksgiving time. And, uh, so the police show up, um, and, uh, I think they try to, they go to knock on the door. I think they hear some shots fired inside the house. The police do. The police hear it. Okay. So they kind of back off, right? Like regular policemen, patrolmen. Um, Hold See, that, that is a true statement from, from an operator. I'm an operator. These were just regular policemen. 
They I'm are. just pointing that out. Dude, they are, man. They don't have like the tactical equipment that we had. It's true. They're Although, carrying, they're it, carrying pistols and... But look like how much has changed now. Oh, yeah. Now guys now are if, patrol rifles. Now. Yeah. And now if that happened, if an officer heard shooting inside... They might the go house, in. They, yeah. Maybe. We're, yeah. Maybe. Um, so anyway, so that happens. Um, uh, he doesn't come to the door. They back out. They call, they call to get the, the tactical team out there because they can't handle it. Did you have a specific job on the tactical team? So I was a team... I don't think I was a team leader at the time. I was just a random Joe, like just a, just a dude. Were you usually on entry, perimeter, uh, just depended? It depended, yeah. Okay. I, it might have been early on, though, because like I, I was a team leader toward the end, like the last couple of years. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, so I got stuck on perimeter. So basically the tactical team comes or they surround the house, you know, like, and this is like, an innate, like a regular, I don't know, not a regular, like a cul-de-sac type neighborhood. We have like a couple streets and, and they're kind of dead end or whatever. We use um, someone's house. We knock on the door. We go to the back and I'm kind of like on a, a back yard corner and behind his house, behind this dude's house. So you have the street on the one side, like the normal entry point, like the front door. And um, I was on the back side, which was like a yard, a normal size yard, probably like, I don't know, um, a quarter of an acre, maybe. Okay. Um, it was an elevated like back porch and, uh, behind his house was his yard and then a big giant like field. His neighbor had a fence and some like arborvitaes, pretty young arborvitaes. They weren't real tall. So I'm at this back corner of the neighbor's house, kind of facing the, facing the back of his house, looking at the, the back porch, which was an elevated porch with now, sliding glass doors. Is this daytime or nighttime? Nighttime. Yeah. Okay. It was nighttime. Do you, and what? I mean, if it was around Thanksgiving, was it cold? How cold? Yeah. Out? I don't think it was that cold. You don't remember don't being that cold. cold. Yeah. So like I, negotiators are on the, on the phone with this dude. And I don't remember how long it was going on. It wasn't going on very long. Maybe like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And uh, so this dude like walks out. Woman comes out at some point during this. While we're setting up or whatever, she gets out. So now we just have a barricaded gunman. So he's not willing to come out. But he's got a gun. Did she come out the back or the front? No, no, no. I think it was the front, but okay. I, I can't remember. Um, I think it actually happened before we even got there. So now we just had a barricade. Barricade gunman. Um, so at some point, this dude comes out the back door and he's holding what I thought was a shotgun. And he's got a phone to his ear. So he's talking to the negotiators. Well, I don't know any of this. I don't know he's talking to a negotiator. So he's talking to the negotiators. Um, and I'm probably like 30 yards from him, 25, 30 yards. And uh, I have a, a long gun, an M4, and I hit a light on it. And I, you know, I said, I'm like, police don't move, right? And uh, he looks like you can see him like looking around. Where'd that come from? And I think he sees my light, but I like flashed it to kind of like cover myself a little bit. Right. And he, he looks around and uh, he's like looking for me and he sees where I'm at. And I'm like, listen, to, like, okay, he sees me. All of a sudden, he drops the phone and grabs a shotgun and starts to point it at me, right? So he starts like, lo like you know, if you're holding a shotgun like at port, like straight up and down, and then you take the foregrip in your one hand and you kind of put it up to your shoulder, he's like leveling off on me with his shotgun. Well, I don't want to get shot. Um, so I shoot him. And uh, so was anyone with, like, yeah. anyone with you at yeah. the back corner there? Yeah. So it was two of us in the back okay. corner, uh, a guy I worked with for a really long time. and. Uh, 
So yeah, so so he's leveling off. I'm thinking he's gonna shoot me. Right. So so I I let a couple rounds go, and um, he falls. I see him fall back in toward the house, and I literally thought to myself, I cannot believe I missed this guy. If I you missed, thought, you thought you missed him. I, I didn't know how I could miss him. I was a, I'm a super good shot, especially with an M4. It's humble Gary. <laughs> um, I felt. I mean, and like I felt good about everything I did. I literally thought to myself, this is, how, this is how messed up I am. I literally thought, if I miss this guy, I will never live this down. I will never live this down. Like cops were, go- like my buddies are going to make fun of me for the rest of my life. I'm never going to live this down. I think part of that is we're trained to do a job. And if you don't do it, like in that moment, your job was protecting your life and the life of the officer who was with you and in that moment you're like i didn't do my job correctly so if i don't stop that threat right this is how my mind thinks if i don't stop that threat first of all my friends are going to make fun of me second of all if he shoots one of my buddies because i missed him i that would be tough yeah he pointed a shotgun at me i thought he was going to shoot me i don't want to get shot um I, I i let some go Right. And uh, I thought many, for sure. How many rounds did you fire? I, fought, I, shot, I shot five rounds. Five. I hit him three times. And when you're, you know, for anyone who's, who doesn't know what an M4 is, it's, it's a semi-automatic rifle. Yeah. We're not talking like a machine gun or a, yeah. you know, automatic. A it, semi-automatic. It uh, fires only as fast as you can pull the trigger. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing special about it. Right. Um, anybody can... A civilian can have, have the same gun I have. Um, so, so anyway, so I let a couple rounds go and uh, he falls back in and then all of a sudden we start hearing him screaming. Well, we're, now I'm thinking, oh man, I, like he's like setting us up. Right. Uh, but then uh, he winds up crawling out. Um, we wind up arresting him. His arm's like mangled. Um, he got hit in the, sh- in the wrist and up through the shoulder. Right arm? It was his... It was his right arm. Yeah. I had to like act like I was holding a shotgun to figure out, remember which arm it was. Yeah. So you were um, aiming, you were, you were, that, the gun, you were aiming probably. So I, the funny, funny part about this whole story is, and this, I'm thankful for this. The, right. the guy lived, he's, he's totally fine. I mean, he's, he's not a, he's, he's still getting in trouble by the police. Right. He had a bench warrant, I think, uh, I don't know, six months ago, he had a warrant okay. for his arrest. So he's like, now, he's how a did you guy. know that? Do you just kind of keep an eye on? No, somebody had? came up to me and said, "Hey, remember that guy you shot that can't open door handles anymore? Yeah, he's got a warrant." Okay. Yeah. So, um, but my first my first round hit hit the shotgun in the in like right where the uh, right where the bolt would go into the the chamber, right okay. where a round would go in, um, which saved his life. Um, so I'm pretty thankful that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to kill somebody. Right. You know. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. Yeah. And yeah. when I so, was talking about, you know, doing your job correctly, you just, you just want to stop that threat. Like, that's what you're trained to do. You yeah, want to stop sure. that threat. Yeah. Um, so, so that, w- that was that. Like, yeah, I mean, pulled, they pulled him out. He gets arrested. Well, they, yeah, we pulled him out. Like, we pulled him out. And then um, my buddy, up, my buddy looks over at, yeah, my buddy looks over at me. We pulled him down some. He wouldn't come down to us. Like he like stopped like obeying. So we like grabbed him from the top of the steps and pulled him down the house because we don't know what else is in the house though. Like we believe there's just the sun and the, but we don't know. Right. 
Um, so my buddy looks over me, the guy that I was standing with when I shot him, and I go, uh, he goes, how am I supposed to handcuff this dude? I go, I don't know, man, not my problem. I walked away. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I think he just handcuffed right. one arm and handcuffed him to his, uh, to his belt or something like that. He didn't need handcuffs. I mean, it, he was incapacitated at that point. But yeah, he, and then we got a medical attention and they interviewed me, all kinds of stuff. So here's a question for you. How, how long were you off work? Uh, while they investigated it. So I think it happened on like a Monday or Tuesday. I saw the shrink. That's not right. So Thanksgiving was Thursday. Right? Thanksgiving is always Thursday. Yeah. It happened. I don't know, man. I was off for a couple days. It wasn't long at all. That's insane. It wasn't long at all. I, the shrink told me, like I went and saw the, I, it's not a shrink. I should probably, probably disrespectful. The, the head doctor, he, he told me, like, cause you have to go see a head doctor before you can get cleared. So I went and saw this guy and he said, you took the test exactly how I thought you would take it. He goes, uh, uh, you just take it just like every other cop does. You just, you, you try to tell me what, what I think I want you to know. Right. So I <laughs> laughed at him. We were laughing or whatever. He's like, how to make you feel to shoot this guy. I was like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to get shot. So I shot right. him. He pointed a gun at me. Like, I don't really feel a whole lot about that. Right. And he's like, are you sleeping okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm sleeping great. Can I go back to work? He goes, well, when are you supposed to work next? I'm like, a Thanksgiving weekend. It's a three-day weekend. I got to work three days in a row. He goes, I want to see you the, the day after that. I go, well, I was like, perfect. I'll take Thanksgiving off. So he gave me Thanksgiving off. I saw him the next, like, I think that Monday or Tuesday, and I was back to work. It was no okay. big deal. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I saw, I saw one, one officer that was involved in a shooting uh, in the department. He, I kept the news article because i was there right after he shot the suspect it was like a robbery mm -hmm. um at a turkey hill and i was there right after he shot the suspect so you have the article of him shooting the suspect and the very next day he's cleared <laughs> in the newspaper those are the days man dude, dude that's I, not happening now no you're off for it's, months and i mean and months and, and here's the thing um many of these officer involved shootings could be cleared within days oh uh, yeah absolutely they really could oh they have all of the all of the video right doing yeah i mean i don't know what they're waiting on i mean they, they talk to everybody right away everybody gets spoken to within the first 70 hours right everybody yeah, yeah. even like the witnesses don't mean anything yeah they're, they're yeah. spoken to it's a, it's incredible it's incredible so i think the but those it, are the times we live in anthony yeah those are the times we live in they are like a lot of these things might sound like a big deal to some of your listeners, but like to, to like a, an officer who's like done the job for a while, these kind of things, like it's just, it's your job. It's what, it's what you do. It's right. who you, it's who you've almost become a part. It's a part of you now. It's like, like a watchmaker can put together watches. He did a Rolex the other day. He, he'd done a Rolex for 15 years. He did, you know some some super rich dude or rich tiger woods's rolex he doesn't care it's a rolex he puts it together and moves on to the next one tells a funny story everybody's like whoa you did you did uh whatever you did mike tyson's rolex great job you know and, we're, and so these like things that seem like a big deal aren't necessarily a big deal to a lot of officers some of some are you know what i mean there are some officers who handle things differently yeah um i think every i think everyone handles um you know the stress of of the uh, job differently. Yeah. 
but yeah, you've always said that that never really affected you that much. No, no. I could picture it and I can still hear like the sounds and, uh, and feel like the cold air on my face. Like that's, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, But I I remember I never felt any recoil. Like I never felt the gun, like my, as I was firing, I never felt it hit my shoulder. I remember hearing the rounds and I could still hear it. Right. And I can still feel the cold on my face from the, from the night. That's, that's basically it. Uh, no flashes. But you never had any like nightmares or no. flashbacks or anything like that. No, no, not one bit. Yeah. yeah. I never did. Thankfully. I, I never did either. Yeah. I was you... never a big nightmare guy or, um, you know, flashbacks. I would have fl- flashbacks every once in a while for certain things, yeah. but nothing. I think, I think for me, the cumulative effect of the job like started to wear on me. Yeah. That's, I think that's the thing. It's not like for most, for me. It's not like I shouldn't one, say for most. It's not one thing that changes some, my world. It's some guys, but yeah, and gals, but but it's like it's like all of these incidents or all every single arrest, all these like fights that you would get into. Somebody punching in the face, someone dropping a knife in front of you while you're while you're trying to arrest them, putting a cuff on someone, them taking off running, then you have to fight them. Like all of these things, them turning on you, and you, and then you got to you got to deal right. with them. You got to you know hockey jersey them to try right. to get them in custody. Like yeah. all these things that happen. Um, and we're just now, I mean, we've literally just been talking about, um, generally what a patrolman does, right. Right. Like the hands-on job, um, physical, um, which is some mental too, but like, it's all of those things. Like it changes a person. There's no doubt. No doubt it changes you. How do you think it's changed you? Um, I could be a hermit pretty easily. You don't, you just don't like being around people. I have to, I have to fight. I like people, certain people. Right. Um, but like, I don't like being around crowds. Yeah. I'm like most other cops. Like I can't sit with my back to people. If we go to a restaurant ever again, if I ever go to a restaurant, I haven't been, to, dude, I haven't been to a restaurant since what, what does ha- when did, when did the Rona start? March? You haven't been out since then? I haven't been to a restaurant since then. Why? I don't want to wear the mouth diaper, bro. It, but it's magical. It's this magical thing where you only have to wear it in, and then when you get to your 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 table, there's this like magical force field around you. It's amazing. While you're eating, it doesn't go anywhere. It, it's yeah. It's just one of those things. It's pretty like, wild. Yeah. I so like I have an un. I'm I'm messing up the word here. I have a illogical. Like, I don't want to wear a mask. Yeah. I don't wear a mask. I, I get it. And like, I just want, don't want to put myself in a situation I, where I have to. If I have to wear a mask, I wear a mask. I don't want to. Yeah. And I like, if curious. someone tells me to wear a mask, I'm super thankful that you allowed me to take it off once I came into your studio and you have these nice plexiglass screens up. You let me take my mouth, mouth diaper off, but you asked me to the you know, mural wear it before. The mural keeps yeah. all coronavirus away. <laughs> yeah. Just the mural the that hangs here. Mural. It just, there's like an it's aura the, about it. It's the glistening of your chest that like, you know, <laughs> sucks in the rona so that way it doesn't oh. go anywhere else. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, yeah, it's hard to describe how I've changed. I'm sure my family would say that I've changed. I, I'm not as, I'm happy. I'm a pretty happy, joyful guy, but like, I think the seriousness of life sometimes get me with my family. It's harder for me to be jovial. I'm super jovial at work. Like if you ask if people that know me, like I'm, I think I'm pretty jovial. I'm like the, the guy that likes make, makes people laugh, goes way over the line on things. 
um, tries to make people feel uncomfortable. I'm inappropriate at times at work, actually most of the time at work. Um, but it's probably just a front. You know, it's probably just a front. It's really weird. Yeah. I mean, actually, most guys, the, the, one of the weirdest things for me is I can be at work super engaged, or I should say, I could go to work. I'd be super engaged. Yeah, you don't go to it's work so anymore, weird. bro. It's, I work. <laughs> just not in law enforcement. But I'd go to work. I'd be super engaged, uh, super talkative, present. And I would actually think to myself, oh, man, I miss, I miss uh, the wife and kid. The wife and kids. I miss them. And I'd get home, and I would literally not want to talk to anybody. That's a great way to describe it. And, it's and, very articulate. And I, I was trying to figure out why that is. And I think, I think it's just, it's comfortable at work to, to have that, oh, I, I miss them. I want to be around them. But then to be around them means you have to expel emotional energy and towards the end of my career you know i just started getting to a point where i i was physically present at home but mentally i was a million miles away hmm. and and uh and then i started doing some reading about hypervigilance and that type of stuff and i was definitely super super hypervigilant yeah for probably much of the last part of my career just like just, staying in the red too long like not able to kind just of come like down not you know you know we had this training where they talk about you know most people operate in this mental you know like capacity a middle, yeah. like middle ground when you're at work you're way above that and then when you come home you immediately plunge below that yeah and so you're never in like this healthy level of just existence you're always like super vigilant yeah or you're completely crashing so that's why a lot of guys on gals they'll come home and they just you know they'll want to you know just sit in front of the tv they'll want to start drinking drink heavily yeah, yeah stuff yeah. like that because um and, and one of the best things i found with the with the kids is when i get home to do something active even if it's mm. just wrestle with them for a couple minutes on the on the floor or go outside for a little bit just something where i'm not way up here and then i'm just plunging way down yeah. below that try to like balance it out a little bit but um yeah, I, I would say, much like you, like I, you know, incidents I've been involved in, I never felt like they really affected me too much. I mean, there's there's been a couple that I'm like, yeah, that, that messed with me a little bit, but I. Yeah, felt I mean, you like, got shot at. Yes, but you know, you know, weathered those storms and you know felt pretty good to go after yeah. afterwards. Yeah. But you know, around year fifteen, sixteen, seventeen you know, you really started feeling the effects of it. I, I think it started, I, I think I started realizing like this stuff was probably working on me harder than I, than I realized. Yeah. I think that's, that's true of everyone who, every police officer who does the job, who right. works hard. Yeah. You can be, you can be a lazy cop, just like you can be a lazy. Anything. Anything. Right. You would be a lazy pastor. You know yeah. what I mean? You could. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's true of, of hard workers. Yeah. Yeah, I like to throw. I like to throw. One of the things I like to do is when it's nice out, is throw a ball with my son. Uh, he likes to throw baseball. So like, I'll come home. He'll be like, as soon as I get home, I mean, I can't even take my suit off. I'm gonna have to wear a suit now, you know, because I'm not a real cop anymore. Um, but like, I, 
he'll he'll literally be like, Dad, let's go throw. Dad, let's go throw. Let's let's go throw. Yeah. So that's a blast. I mean, that's a good way to kind of like calm down. And the easy thing is like, not now, son. I'm too tired. You know, which yes. which I've done in the past, which yeah. is terrible. But yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's hard to engage. Yeah. Another thing we had talked about, um, you know, that that did have some some effect on you was was this. Uh, well, what do you do right now in detectives? Yeah, so I work uh, I work sex crimes. Um, so I work crimes against women and children, work child abuse cases. Uh, I mean, if a, if a man gets sexually abused, I'll, I'll investigate that. Elder abuse. Um, kind of the stuff that, like, it's fun to tell stories. Like, people want to hear stories about, like, me chasing people and buying drugs. But you can't tell stories about this stuff. Uh, yeah. It's, it's you can tell cop stuff. stories about this. Right. Actually, not even cops. You can tell, like, guys that do what I do. You can tell them stories. There's a lot of cops that literally I start telling a story, they walk away. Yeah, they don't want to hear it. Uh, yeah. They don't come to my area a, a lot of times. Um, or if they do, I try to make it real uncomfortable for them, then they don't come back. It's perfect. Right. Yeah, so I work, I work crimes against uh, women and children. That's usually how I describe it. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's sex crimes. I work child pornography cases. It's like super horrific stuff. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. And you, you talked about, um, you briefly mentioned one of those cases to me. Uh, that that did have a little bit of effect on you, um, yeah. in the moment. I think yeah. it was during the during the trial or during um the hearing or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing I've been investigating sex crimes for ten years, maybe over ten years, which is crazy to think about. It's been that long, bro. I'm in my twentieth year. Four years on patrol. Five years on. Four or five years on patrol. Five years on. You're four a years star. on. You're I can't a count. Star. Yeah. So ten years doing this. Um. One of my first cases, probably within the first, it was in the first year, um, I got this uh, investigation where a biological father um, was accused of uh, violating his, his bio daughter, who was probably seven, eight, maybe, uh, over a period of time. Um, we did the investigation. It was terrible. Um, I was pretty new to this. Um, and... Uh, the investigation turned out pretty well and we were able to bring charges. Mm -hmm. So charge a guy got him arrested. It was like, there was some custody involved too, which always makes a, a sex crime investigation difficult. Uh, cause you never know, you know, is it just, you just never know. So right. you got to do a real thorough investigation. Um, we, we wound up charging this guy. We go to a preliminary hearing at the hearing. Uh, he made her take the stand. Um, so at a preliminary hearing, it's like, it's literally a hearing that's meaningless. A, a, a local judge hears um, facts and they basically just determine whether or not a crime was committed and if the person who we're accusing did the crime. So if there was a crime and if potentially this person did it. Right. It's super low level. It's like nothing. This, this little girl takes the stand and she's got she's to tell what happened to her, right? So... Um, I remember she starts talking and she can't make eye contact with, I mean, it's her dad who's sitting 15 feet from her, right? The only thing blocking her is his table and, uh, and the little stand that she's sitting on. And was she prepared for this at all? Yes. We had spoken to her about it. Okay. Um, this is the worst thing, like making it's these terrible. kids talk about this. It's, it, it crushes me. So this little girl's telling, telling this answering questions about what happened to her. Uh, she's doing a really good job. And this dude is like looking at her in the most uh, intimidating way, like basically with his eyes saying, 
like, stop doing this. Daddy's going to kill you. That kind of look. Um, that's, I think, the only way that I could describe that. Right. Because, like, it was just, it was pure, e- like, pure evil. Like, I've, d- I've fought with guys. I've, like, right. done all this stuff. Like, it, and it, it's, like, no big deal. This dude, like, stared through his own daughter because she was telling the truth about what happened to her, what her dad did to her, which is crazy that, like, a lot of these kids, it doesn't really mean anything to them. They, this is, like, it's, they might think it's wrong, but, like, they don't really, it's just life. It's what happened to them. They tell the story. They move on. They want to go play with toys. Right. You know what I mean? But we make it a big deal because it is a big deal. You know what I mean? So, right. like, she probably didn't think much about this, but he's, I think her, him staring at her, like, crushed her. I remember her crying, um, but she got through it. She did a great job. Um, and I literally remember getting in my car after that preliminary hearing, he, he wound up being found guilty and stuff. Um, so the prelim went through, he, he, he was found guilty later on down the road, but at that hearing, I remember getting my car and like, I was so upset. Like the anger that was inside me was like boiling over. Like, thankfully he was incarcerated. So I, I couldn't go find him. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I pictured like things that I would do to him. And it was like, it was a scary spot for me. Cause I was like, I was like, I could probably act out on this and be okay with it. Um, and also I'm going to lose my job if I do this. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, and how am I going to support, support my family? Like I probably didn't think all that through, but like, right. I li- like the anger was, uh, was pretty horrendous. And I, I mean, I could have killed him. I could have seen him in an alley and killed him and not thought anything about it. And that was scary. Like it little, like it startled me when I say like I was angry, but I was scared that I had these feelings like boil up inside of me just from a look. Right. So like that was like pretty impactful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I got over that. I think probably just doing these types of investigations for this long. It's just kind of become I'm a little bit numb to it. Right. Um, I talk about sex crimes depending on the crowd that I'm in different ways um, in order to deal with these types of things in my head. Um, it's, it's just probably not appropriate for, for most people to hear right. how, how these things are taken care of. I mean, it's terrible. Right. Um, what happens to these kids uh, is just, it, 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 it could, it, it would cause you to literally live in a, a life of depression and sadness and despair. No and doubt. unfortunately, many of them, many of the victims in those cases do, do live in that life of despair and depression and just terrible things because of the acts committed against them. Yeah, until they can get out of it. Right. Um, yeah, I, I have seen that kids are pretty resilient, like okay. super resilient, which I think is a great thing. Um, doesn't mean they don't have long lasting effects, um, but I think that they bounce back pretty quickly. Um, depending on what, what happened to them and how long. Does the age matter? I like think the, so. The younger yeah. they are, they bounce back maybe a little easier than if they're older. I think so. I think there's a lot of effects down the road. Right. But it depends on what they do with it, right? If it defines who you are or if they're, they're the victim their entire life and they never get through that or if they have no hope in anything, of course they're going to be in despair. And that's true of everybody, right? I mean, we all have bad things happen to us. Um, so... Yeah, so that was pretty impactful for me because that was very early on in working sex crimes. And now, like, I mean, I love working sex crimes. It's, 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 uh, it's not the most fun that I've had as being a police officer. 
um, it might be the most rewarding. Right. Dude, I'm putting, I mean, I put a guy away for 164 years. Yeah. 88 to 164 years. And he was a vile man. Uh, so that feels good. Yeah. Um, that there's some, some type of justice this side of heaven. Um, I want to see right rewarded and wrong punished. Like it's, it's ingrained in me. It's Romans 13, man. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's, yeah. It's a lot of other passages, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we, we, like, you, you know, I'm a believer in Christ. I believe yeah. what the Bible says to be true. And like, we are created by a God who is righteous. He always does what's right and always does what's good. Always. Perfectly righteous. Perfectly righteous. Yeah. Never, never done anything that is not correct and right. He's not only that, he's just. You know what I mean? So he always rewards good behavior and he always punishes wicked behavior. Always. And there's like this weird thing because we look around us and like our world's in turmoil. There's no peace. Or I shouldn't say there's no peace. There is some peace, but it's not the peace that we want. We want more peace. The Bible uses the word like shalom, right? Peace. And it means more than just like lack of conflict. It means like, like us blessing each other, like a goodwill towards someone else or towards something else. Um, and that's lacking, bro. I mean, we're, like, I, mean I, I, I laughed about the fact that we're recording this the day after the Capitol building was stormed. But like people broke windows to get in there. I mean, it's the people's house. It is. But like you don't just bully your way in there. It doesn't happen. You know what I mean? We look like a third world country at this point. And we have since the beginning of the summer, since, since March, April, May, right? Um, I mean, it's terrible. Like the peace is, does not, and it, and it wasn't peaceful before that. Right. The peace that we all long for. Right. Um, I think our, you know, um, the challenging thing for us as believers is just that idea of justice. We will never have perfect justice on this side of heaven. Yeah, for ever. sure. And, um, and the, the laws and the people that enact the laws and the people, the officers who enforce the laws, all of those people are, are sinful people. Some of them are, some of them are saved um, and, and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and some of them aren't. They've all been put in those positions by God, but some of them are believers and some of them aren't. And all of them are sinners. And so there's, there's no way to have perfect justice this side of heaven. And I also think the challenge is that in our world right now, everything is made more complex. So we try to just really make all these issues. And maybe I'm just a simpleton, but we try to make them. <laughs> That's probably true. Probably. <laughs> but we try to make them all so complex. Complex and they and they are complex to a certain degree, but what I mean is, if you have sinful, unrighteous action, whether it's on this side or on that side, like left or right, you mean left conservative, or right, liberal, black, white, yeah, whatever. It we have to call it for what it is, and that's sin, and then we have to you know deal with it as best as we can on this side of heaven in a, in a just way. So you look as, at, as 
mankind as yes. police officers, as lawmakers, right. as citizens. Right. So you yeah. see, you, you know, you see what happened during the summer with the riots. Mm-hmm. That's sin. Yeah, no doubt. And it's against the law and it needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. You see what happened at the Capitol? That's sin. It's against the law. It needs to be dealt with. You can talk about all the reasons behind all of it and you can discuss, you know, why it may happen and, you know, try to understand it and even empathize with people. That's fine. And even talk about experiences had and, and hardships had. You can't ignore those things, but it doesn't take away from the fact that sin is being committed. And if that sin breaks the law, then that's where law enforcement moves in. I mean, the stuff that happened at the United States Capitol is, is disgusting. Yeah. And, and, and it yeah. put so many officers got injured during it and, and were hurt during it. But it's no more a sin than what happened during the summer. Yeah. And if, yeah. And if we as a, a country are going to handle two, two things different, then we're not talking about justice because justice is, you know, um, there's, there's a level of equality to justice. There's equal outcomes with justice. It's, you don't play favorites, but I just got on my soapbox there a little bit. But, yeah. you know, that's just... And know, that's the I big think- problem, right? Because, like, we're talking about them, 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 them. I'm, I'm talking about me. Like, oh, yeah. the problem is, like, if we're saying that police officers need to be able to, to go after lawbreakers, right? it shouldn't be far-fetched to think that the creator should be able to go after lawbreakers like me, right? I don't treat my wife like I ought to always, right? I've lied. Um, I've done whatever I've done. Um, My creator, being just, has every right to come after me. And yet, we know that the Bible is pretty clear that he made a way for things to be right, for him to be both just and the one who saves us right because right. he can't just look over my sins and say oh gary you're okay right like that's the that's an un, unjust judge right if we overlook what happened in the u.s capitol right we should be offended if okay. the if our justice system looks over what happened in the summer with burning cars and destroying all these businesses if we overlook that that's unjust like right. that's it's it's vile so yeah. like but I'm you're not, right like that that is a perfect you know, we, we also have to make it personal and understand like our role in it as sinful people, you and me just sitting oh, here. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that you're right, God, God, um, he can't, he, he's perfect. So he cannot overlook our sin. And so it's that, the greatest problem of mankind. That's what it is. But how can God look at someone like me who believes that like he's saved people, that he said, these people are have, have committed crimes against me, but I'm going to overlook their crimes. It's the greatest problem. How can, he, how can he do that and still be just? Because if he just overlooks them, he's not. And, 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 and we, like, I believe that like, he's over, he hasn't overlooked my sins. We look to the cross, right? Where he sent Jesus, who lived how I ought to have lived, how you should have lived, how the people who stormed the Capitol should have lived. But, but they didn't, and I didn't. From the, for, for many times I haven't. And, uh, you know, so Jesus comes, he lives this life that he was, uh, he, he did, he did exactly as God required of man to right. live. Did yes. it perfectly. 
He did it perfectly. Yeah. And the wrath that you and I deserve and and every other person deserves was poured out on Christ on the cross. That's right. That yeah. that is that is the amazing part of yeah. the gospel. And right it, there, God can be just and the one who says you are in the right. Gary, right. you're you're a vile person. You've done terrible things. Um even though I didn't storm the Capitol and I didn't burn cars, I'm still a bad person. You know what I mean? Like, there's no doubt. And uh, I deserve God's wrath. Like, doesn't mean I'm going to go to jail here on earth because I haven't committed a crime here on earth. You know right. what I mean? Like a, like a crime against our thing. But yeah. like, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that like my sins, they would be so many. And yet his, mer- like he would show mercy on me by, you know, looking to Christ and saying, hey, he lived in your place, Gary. He died in your place. Um, you know, and I, you you have peace with me. Like I have peace with God. Like I, I believe that. Like right. I, I, I'm not going to get his wrath because not because I deserve it, but because, because his son paid the price for me. There's no doubt. Um, and I want peace. I want that peace for everybody. And like in that peace is promised, right? He says, you have peace with God. Now when we, when we trust that Jesus did that for, for us, we have peace, perfect peace. Um, and it doesn't feel like that yet, but one day it will. And that's offered to all mankind. It's offered to everyone. It is. Um, and, you know, when we bow our knee and we trust what he says is true, and we live our lives for Christ, and, which is the result of that, like, you know, there, there can be peace, and there right. can be peace on earth, and that's the only way it's going to be. And when he comes back, there's going to be perfect peace. Right. Perfect peace. Perfect. Cops are going to be out of jobs, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be no need for cops in the new heavens and the new earth. Like, perfect yeah it's gonna be good that's perfect yeah um i, mean, I like doing police work but peace would be much better because i like i'm tired of fighting dude like i'm tired of dealing with guys who like to diddle kids like i'm tired of it like i don't want to see the kids get hurt and i'm tired of like people having a pull having a desire to take from someone else i want that so i'm going to take it right i'm going to break in your house because i want your I want your TV. I want your fancy mural. You know, I, I'm going to break in your house because right. I want it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm tired of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's not going to end no. until Christ returns. And, and, um, and it, does, it, it just wears on you. It wears on you. The constant, like, that constant battle that you're still fighting and other officers are fighting out there. Not perfectly. The police are not without sin. Oh, my goodness. No one is without sin. Um, but placed in a position by God to do a job yeah. and, and, um, and deserve a level of respect because of it. And, um, yeah, it, it's, 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 I think 2020 took a toll on, on a lot of, a lot of officers just because, you know, man, I made so much money, like it took a toll on me, but I made a lot of money. During like riot season, yeah, you which probably is, made more than me because my schedule scared, was constantly changed, changing. Well, they changed ours too, but like we had to work all all the time. But yeah, that yeah. was that was wild, man. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, it it's I I just love what you what you had to say, Gary, and it it reminds me, you know, of of my favorite favorite verse, Romans ten nine, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you will be saved, and that is a just like you said. That is available to everyone. It's it's a free gift. It's a matter of bending your knee and 
uh, admitting that you're a sinner and you're in need of a savior. And there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. It doesn't matter how vile you are. Like, like if one of these perverts that I arrested and they're, they, they get a hold of, they could become one of your listeners. I would love that. I would love to see them repent and believe in Christ. Um, and, and to constantly be repenting. Like, that's what I feel like I got to do. I got to constantly repent because dude, in the, in the, the only reason I'm not like someone, I shouldn't say the only reason there's lots of like barriers in my life, but I, I could have been a burglar. I could have been a murderer. I could have been a drug dealer. I, I mean, I could have been a, a pervert and, but for some reason, God saw fit to not let me go that far. And then he actually like changed me. Like, I don't want to be that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a, it's a cool thing. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a life changing thing. Dude, police yeah. works a good job. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a, it's one of those jobs that's needed without it. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's ordained by God put in place. It's a job that, that God actually like, like brought about. Um, it goes all the way back to the old Testament. Yeah. Cause in the old Testament, um, at the, um, temple, they had, they had, uh, I believe it was the Levites, the tribe, the tribe Levites. They stood guard at the temple gates. That was their job. Yeah. They, they, they had to protect what was going in and out of. So again, yeah. they weren't police officers, but they were they were put in those positions to protect and guard and watch out for and you know that's that's what that's what law enforcement does yeah. so yo how do we get there how do we get what were we talking about we were, we were, oh dude we, we, we went were, we've we've been all over the place Man. i think you know we've gone from uh you describing the the mural i have here which is I phenomenal. Love, I guarantee you someone is going to ask me if I actually have a mural like that. Guarantee it. Well, they, should, should I take a picture and, <laughs> and tag you on your Twitter account? Uh, that would be amazing <laughs> if you actually found something that kind of looked like that and could, could put it up. That would be great. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate having you on and um, just, just how open you were and also just sharing the gospel. It's one of the most important things um about this podcast and it's it's not going to happen every episode because mm. i'm not going to have a believer on every episode and that's okay um but you know i just i i love how that came out how you yeah. brought that out I so like that's that. a funny thing because like at work you can't i mean you can talk about like religion and what you believe mm -hmm. but you got to be careful for good reasons um i mean we're there to work Right. You know what I mean? But like if you're on an off time or you're sitting in a car doing a surveillance or whatever, like things come up, but like you can't get like, yeah, you can't get down and dirty. Uh, I don't know. I've had some pretty intense conversations with guys and, yeah. and I've been able to, and so have you. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. You know, we've been able to, to, to share yeah. the gospel. Um, but you're right. You got to be careful in what setting you do yeah. it. And I always tried to, you know, there's, there's some people who are kind of militantly against it. For sure. And, and I, know, yeah, I to me, it's not worth it to fight. Like, I, I don't yeah. want to fight. Like, if you don't want to believe, you don't believe. Like, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to. 
Um, but there's plenty of plenty of guys that I've talked to about it, and plenty of guys yeah. that are like, you know, get away with me, get away from me, Weaver, with all your religious stuff. I know, right? Yeah, which is fun. I yeah. like it. I like Dude. the banter. Yeah, you know, I get tired uh, of the banter sometimes. Yeah, I get tired of I get tired of a lot of things. Maybe I don't yeah, know. yeah. You're probably tired of me by now. No, I don't ever get tired of you. <laughs> there's been a time or two I've been tired of you. Yeah. Oh, I can't think of any right now, but I'm but, not tired of looking at this mural, though. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to do bef- before you're before we're done is oh, we're wrapping this thing up. Well, we don't have to. All right. All right. Um, but I mean, did you have more more to say? Oh man, I could. I feel like I. I so here's worked, the thing. Worked, you know, see, Anthony, you know me, and uh, you know that I can talk. I just keep talking. It doesn't mean it doesn't make any sense at all sometimes, and it doesn't really like flow real well. It's not really articulate sometimes, but it just it just goes. So I right. could I could do that, but I'd be happy to come back and oh, chat with you again sometime. Oh, I'd, I'd love to have you back. Um, maybe maybe who knows? Maybe after you you uh, retire, maybe we can co-host dude in five this years. Thing. Oh. That's a long time, man. I, I mean, I could I, wait that long. Maybe, hey, in five years, who knows what this is? That's right. That's right. It's like a, a huge thing. I don't know. Could be. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, Lauren said I shouldn't be so self-deprecating. That's how we are, though. I know. Yeah, it's, you it's okay. Be, you yeah. have to be able to laugh if you get your If you get your hopes up, it crushes you, too, when, here's, you, when you fall down. Or, yeah. And here's the thing. like, You're going to have to put up with, because you know some of your fellow yeah. officers are going to listen to this and they're going to house you about it. Well, they're gonna, but I don't have to worry about it because I'm not there. They, they'll, they'll just talk behind my back. I, know, I don't I even know, care. I know. So, they'll, so here's what they'll do. Here's what I foresee happening because these guys are a bunch of idiots. Right? Here's what they'll do. They'll listen to some things like, oh, you know, Gary, this and that. You sound like an idiot while you're mumbling and telling stupid stories that nobody right. cares about. Nobody's actually even listening to, you know, Anthony doesn't have any listeners anyway, making fun of me. And then as soon <laughs> as we start talking about justice and the creator to be like i'm done with this This is stupid and they'll turn it off you know what i hope not because like yeah i hope not i hope not because like this is the real me you know what i mean like they get to work me which is like a like i gotta put on a show man i'm like a peacock you gotta let your feathers be seen you know what i'm saying how did this turn into some weird rap i feel like i heard a rap song like this or something one time well your murals got me kind of motivated <laughs> I'm just no but like you know at work you kind of like you got a certain reputation you just got to keep up like you know it just it is what it is like you just gotta you gotta be you uh, i don't yeah you have a certain thing at work too yeah high strung high strung yeah that, but that's who i am like i'm high strung whatever yeah, i do you're pretty chill you're pretty chill right now <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what right I'm saying, now, but, but like, yeah, I'm excited. I hope, I hope my buddies listen to this and uh, I hope they do too. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I'm, I hope they come on. If you ask them, if you yeah. want them on, I, I'm willing to, uh, deal with the tension of it. I, cause I understand that people are going to listen to it and they're going to be like, I don't like the faith aspect of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm going to have other people listen to it and they're like, I don't like the grittiness of it. You know, you yeah. had that guy on and. And he said the F word and that really oh, yeah. offended me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, I, yeah, he said ass. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Said something crazy, you know? Um, so, yeah, but that's fine. I, I feel like that's been my whole life. I just deal with. You offend people and they stop talking tension, to you. It's perfect. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's all you, all you do is you, you, you wallow 
through 20 year career in law enforcement it's just fighting tension after tension <laughs> confrontation after confrontation it's just that's that's what you do there's no peace there's no peace shalom is coming anthony shalom is coming agreed no i i get that yeah i i could see how this would be uh yeah this could be viewed viewed a couple different ways yeah and i'm fine with that that's good i'm fine with that sometimes people need some grit in their life like because sometimes i think some of your listeners and I hope they don't get offended by this, but like they live in a bubble. Yes. Probably a Christian bubble. Yes. And like sometimes you got to jump out of that. And like, I know we want to be pure and holy, which we do. Um, I would, I would like to be much more separate from like sin, but like I'm swimming in the wickedness of the world when I'm working. So like, so what I'm saying is this, like we live in this bubble and like everything that's like not good is kind of outside of them. And sometimes you got to go like, that's where we're called to kind of go a little bit and be yourself. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, Christ didn't, Christ didn't come and, and hang out with, uh, with, with uh, the who's who of the religious people. You know, he hang out with was the prostitutes. I mean, if there were drug dealers back then, the drug dealers, that's who we've been hung and hanging out with. Um, uh, I'm sure he heard the F word. I'm sure he heard it. Um, maybe not the F word. What one word it is know. in Greek? I don't know. I don't know. He, he heard some vile speech. Some some probably some terrible stories. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I think I think that that was one of the most difficult for, things for me when I first got on the job because I distinctly remember going to work. And going through the chaos of a Saturday night, just blood yeah. and guts. And they were puke. wild back then, weren't and, they? You know, fights. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd go to church in the morning and I would seethe. I, I, would, I would literally just seethe because I was like, these people have no, like, I had a terrible, it, it was a sinful attitude. That's not good, right? Yeah, yeah it yeah. was a sinful <laughs> attitude. Like, it, I, I, I just was like, Everyone around me is living in, like, how do I even relate to these people? Yeah. Like, there's, they're trying to, you know, make sense of that chaos in, you know, in a, in a church setting and, and just trying to sort through it. I'm, I'm very thankful for the church we go to now because I, I do, you know, you have, you, you have that you have Christianese around you at church. People say things a certain way. And, and, but I've also met some very genuine people at our church too, that are just normal people, you know, that, you know, would be completely comfortable sitting here and having a conversation with us. Yeah. Some would not. Yeah. Some would not, but, um, well, hopefully we can bring them on board and they can get yeah. to like us. Yeah. Get to know us, but I think we're pretty it, likable people. Anthony. Yes. But I think, the other thing I think that's good is people will hear your story, not your whole story, but hear some of your story and um, hear some of the things you've been involved in. And, you know, like, I know you like to downplay them, but I mean, these are, these are things people either, a lot of people either don't want to do or can't do. And God's given you a gifting and a calling to be able to do it and do it well and excel at it. I mean, you're 
you know, you're one of the most dedicated officers on the, on the department you work at, um, highly respected, uh, viewed as um, an excellent worker, excellent detective, um, and, and you're very humble about it. It's that. hard for me to not jump in and I know, make, make, I know. This, uh, make this awkward even but, more than what it is right now in my head. But, but that's the thing about you. you you're, yeah. you're, so, you're so humble about it. Yeah, I don't want to feel... So I, want, I, I, know, I know it was uncomfortable. I just want people to appreciate how uncomfortable it was for you to come in and talk about yourself tonight and tell, tell your story. But it's, it's, it's needed. And I, I think people you know, will be able to resonate with it. Yeah, I, I hope so. It. I don't want people to feel bad about me because yeah. it would be, feel bad for me. I, I don't want, I'll make it clear. I don't want people to feel bad for you either. Yeah, because they shouldn't. Because like, <laughs> I, I mean, dude, I love what I do. It's a good job. Oh, I love um, that. I, we need more good police officers. Um, we, need, we need really good police officers. It's a tough time to come into policing because times seem to be a changing uh, to be a police officer, but that's probably for another time. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I love what I do. I work for a great department great people. Um, the job is taxing at times. It's definitely changed me, but, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I said that. No, I no, said, no regerts. No is that, that stupid? I said the same thing to, uh, in, in our very first launch episode that, you know, I, I loved, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I maybe not every minute. I didn't on, love man. every minute. I remember of it. a few times you slamming doors and, Yelling. Yeah. I I have a bit of a I have a temper. Yeah, but that I can get pretty hot sometimes. But that's all right. You know, sometimes it's needed. Yeah, sometimes you got to go zero to one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So, um, before we close out, mm. I did want to talk real briefly about a little side project you're you're working on. You got you're into this leather making thing. Oh man. Yeah, man. I got a little side hustle and some leather crafting. Let me t- let me tell you the stuff I've gotten from you yeah um that badge wallet you gave me yeah i i mean that was a I gift mean, from your wife yeah it was it's yeah. nice I've, i i really like it it's yeah really you need nice. it now because it's like a you put your retirement badge in there and then yeah just hang out in your truck yeah yeah keep it in my back pocket for that moment because there's going to be a moment i'm sure where somebody my pulls luck. you over for speeding and you're like hey i'm a retired uh, cop no not that moment oh okay <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the other moment that's the other moment yeah yeah yeah. um now yeah that 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 piece is really nice and then you made me a, a a beautiful journal like a leather uh journal cover like a notebook cover with yeah. a snap on it and stuff yeah not i don't it's not a snap it's like a it's button like, stud type thing yeah then you put like a hole in the in the other yeah. piece of leather and it wraps mm-hmm. around and and uh closes it's i mean it's it's really cool stuff yeah. So I know you don't, you're, you're at that point where you, uh, it's a side hustle. You don't want to, everybody's got to have a side hustle. Yeah. Man. You gotta side yeah. Hustle. You got to have a side hustle. Yeah. It, uh, it helps me clear my mind a little bit. It's good to work with your hands. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, I've probably been doing it for like two years now. Um, uh, but yeah, I've been making all kinds of stuff, making some, uh, like cigar holders. Yeah. Like, uh, like a four, four cigar holder. You could put your, uh, your cutter. I mean, I don't know if people smoke cigars anymore, but I, I, um, I enjoy a cigar. They have a, a, uh, you can put your cutter and a lighter in yeah. the back of it. Your torch. I think they call it a torch, right? I don't yeah, know what you guys do that. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I mean, some of them notebook covers are pretty popular. I made a belt. I, I just made a bag. I made my first bag, like a little Indiana Jones type nice. small bag. 
Nice. You are working on stuff. Yeah, I've been working on stuff. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I use a, a safety razor to shave. So I have like some travel, like, like protect the head of that, okay. that razor. Um, so yeah, so I've been, I've been dabbling in some th- wallets. Wallets is kind of like a thing. Right. That's a lot of fun to do. Um, but so yeah, so I've been doing that for a while. I don't have a website or anything. I'm not on the Insta. I'm not on Etsy shop. I'm not on Etsy. Etsy. I'm not on it. My my, low Etsy shop. Yeah. I can see it now. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It probably won't be named that, but yeah. Um, you could, you could, you could advertise that you use the oil from your bald head to condition the leather. Dude, that might be a high seller right there. I get a lot of oil from that too. So do I. Dude, I had to like, I got a lot. Powder it, powder it for the video. Yeah. 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 If you subscribe to, uh, Anthony, you're a high end donor. You can get the video of this whole thing. So just make sure you check now we're that out. Have to go back and redo it because I'm not videotaping anything right now. Oh, I thought that's what that camera was for. <laughs> I don't um, know, man. Yeah. So yeah, like leather business, it, like it's it's not it's not a business or anything. I don't have a name. I don't even have a name, bro. Like I don't stamp it's anything. It's low just, leather. I don't like it. L I got to come up with it. If one of your uh, listeners has an idea about L squared, low leather, LL. LL. I don't know. If one of your listeners has a uh, uh, a name suggestion, I'd, yeah. I'd be pretty excited about that. Yeah. So he, he doesn't have a website, but if you are interested in his um, products, and, and I personally have two, they're excellent. Um, I can vouch for the quality. Yeah. Um, no commitments. You can ask for uh, some pictures. I'll show, show yeah. you some pictures and yeah. whatever. So if you're interested in that, just reach out to me, diakonasacc at gmail.com, and I can uh, get you in contact. Just don't overload just it. Like if, if this gets crazy, it's going to be tough for me to keep up with. But I'll Maybe have to, you'll I'll be able to retire somebody. early. That'd be something special. There you go. We'll see. We'll see. But um, bottom line is I, I wanted to plug that for you. That's kind. Thanks for coming on, Gary. I appreciate I'm, it. it was, it's, been, uh, it's been fun. It's been excellent. I've enjoyed the conversation. And uh, for anyone out there who is listening, who is in law enforcement, who's still doing the job, who still has the ability to do it, unlike me, um, or the calling to do it, uh, just like Gary here, um, I just want you guys to know and gals to know that I appreciate you. Uh, Like Diakonos says, kick up the dust after that lawbreaker. And uh, I appreciate uh, those that, that tune in and listen who are in law enforcement, I appreciate those who tune in that just want to learn more about it and uh, want to support us and, and uh, try to understand the, the calling. So how can you support me? Uh, give the podcast five stars. If you don't have anything nice to say, if you don't have a nice rating to give, don't give me a rating. Give me five stars. That's it. That's it. Five stars. That's helpful. You have to. Only five stars. And, and, uh, and if you want to go above and beyond, write a review. Um, that, that would help me out. You can support me that way. You can follow the faith. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Diakonasa Cops Calling. And on Twitter, you can find me at, at mtonyw. Or just type in Anthony Weaver and it'll come up. Me and a bunch of other Anthony Weavers. You'll figure it out. <laughs> the good looking one. <laughs> Should put a picture of that mural up there. There you go. Put that in. So that's it. Thank you. Peace. Appreciate you coming on, Gary. Yeah, Peace. you bet.